Acts chapter number 20. When you find your place, we'll stand. Let's just stretch your legs for just a second. Acts chapter number 20. Verse number 20. The Bible says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Lord, we ask you tonight that you'd help us as we pick back up with a thought we started this morning. Lord, may God's people, Lord, be attentive and responsive. And may the Holy Spirit teach us some things, Lord, tonight. Remind us of some things and encourage and edify the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. I'll not take the time to repeat the message this morning, but I will just go back and touch on those three points that we looked at by way of introduction. As the Apostle Paul is headed to Jerusalem, he swings back through a place called Ephesus, and he met there with the, the elders, the leaders of the church at Ephesus, and he began to open his heart to them in verse number 17 and 18 down through the end of the chapter. And in these verses, we get a whole lot of, we get a whole lot of admonition as a church. We get admonition as Christians, but we also get some great insight into the heart of the Apostle Paul. We get some great insight into his work ethic. We get insight into his burden. We understand better what made him tick. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I don't profess to be. uh, But I am fascinated with what makes people tick. And when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, it's interesting how that the Holy Spirit of God, though what he wrote was inspired by the Holy Ghost, God allowed his personality allowed his burden to come through in such a way that we get great, great encouragement when it comes to how we should be when it comes to the ministry and the things of God. The Apostle Paul was a great Christian. He was a phenomenal Christian. And uh, I I draw much strength from the Apostle Paul's uh, vision as as a missionary, as a pastor, as a church planner, as a soul winner. Uh, He encourages me. I think to myself, if the Apostle Paul go through what he went through, and do for God what he did. There's no reason why we can't today. And uh, so we notice in verse number 20, just by way of reminder from this morning, that the Apostle Paul made uh, a statement in verse 20, how I kept back nothing. That's the title of our message, kept back nothing. First thing we notice in verse number 20 is his contribution was profitable. And what he did was an asset, the things that he said, the life that he lived, the example that he set forth, the teaching, the preaching, his interaction with people, his his contribution to the ministry was one of profit. It was profitable. It was edification. The Apostle Paul used that word often, edification, exhortation, admonition. Everything Paul did was pouring gas on the fire. I, I would rather pour gas on somebody's fire than pour water on it. We got, unfortunately, too many people that pour water. I remember when I was growing up, and God to move in the church and then start having revival and people be crying and rejoicing and shouting and raising their hands and going to the altars during the song service and piling up in the altars after the service. Somebody make a statement invariably, some old mossy back would make the statement, well, this looks like wildfire. And I'd always remember the preacher saying, well, we don't have to worry about wildfire breaking out around here because there's enough wet blankets laying around to put out any fire to get started. Apostle Paul was one that poured gas on the fire. When he, when, hey, when, when he walked away from you, you were fired up. You were challenged. You were motivated. And he kept back nothing that was profitable. 
So his contribution was profitable. Secondly, his contribution was public. And he did it in a public way. But he said in verse number 20, showed you and have taught you publicly. And what he said was open. He made one statement in the place. He said, I'm, a, I'm an epistle, open epistle, known and read of all men. And, and, and he was a, a, had a public testimony, public influence in many places throughout the, the scriptures. If you go and read the book of Acts, Apostle Paul, as did Peter and others, would go into the temples and go into the synagogues. And man, they would they'd go in there week after week after week, preaching, teaching, turning the cities upside down, turning the world upside down. They were accused of his contribution was public. And then we saw thirdly, his contribution was personal. Uh, he would go into people's homes and he would admonish them, the Bible tells us in verse number 20. He taught them publicly and from house to house. And there's a time and a place for a group setting. There's a time and a place for a, a, a broader, more general approach. And then there's time for specific one-on-one -on -one discipleship, answering people's questions and helping people overcome hang-ups and preconceived ideas and helping people get their doctrine straight. The Apostle Paul did all of that. What a tremendous example he was to us. And kept back nothing. We looked at that this morning. But this evening I'd like to jump into the meat of the message. I had four points, but I consolidate them down to three. But I added a couple of sub points. So I'm the only preacher that, you, that, that I know that can take one point off and add five slides. Three things I want you to notice about Paul. We're going to look at it right here in the message tonight. Number one, he said, I kept back nothing with my ministering. With my ministering. Look at verse number 18. Well, let's go back to verse 18. He's speaking to the elders from the church at Ephesus. When they were come to him, he said, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. From the first day, he hit the ground running, Brother, Brother Bernard. He didn't get to the mission field and spend the first six months sightseeing. Come on now. I, I've been all over the world. Some of you have had the privilege to travel. I know preachers and missionaries that have taken many missions trips. When people ask me every time I go somewhere, they say, how was it? And I say, it was just dirt piled up a different way. <laughs> I do very little sightseeing when I go on a missions trip. I don't go to go see the mountains and the waterfalls. I go to deal with people and preach and teach. And Paul said, from the first day that I got here, you know from my first day here, what manner I have been with you at all seasons, all seasons. He didn't take a break. Serving the Lord, he says in verse 19, with all humility of mind. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. There was no holding back when it came to the Apostle Paul's work ethic and his ministry. He served the Lord. If you look back in the previous section, right between verse number 6 down through verse number 12, there's a story there about him preaching in the upper room, in upper chamber in verse number 8. And the Bible says that Paul, in verse number 7, as he was preaching, continued his speech until midnight. Paul didn't have but one gear. That was wide open, amen. He didn't have a short message. He didn't have a, a touch-and-go approach. When the apostle Paul went somewhere, he, he went in there and he hunkered down and he dropped the plow and he made the most of the time that he had. The Bible says he preached until midnight and then Eutychus fell out the window. The Bible says fell out the window. The it was filled with chambers and the chamber was filled with many lights in the upper room. And the Bible says that he being sunk down with a deep sleep fell out from the third loft and was taken up dead. That would interrupt most church services. The Bible says they ran down. Paul fell upon him and embraced him. And the Bible says, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. And they went right back up there. And the Bible says they broke bread and talked and fellowshiped until the break of day. The man didn't sleep. He was a machine. 
We're talking about kept back nothing. I don't think for one second that the apostle Paul went somewhere and just did the minimal. I don't think he went somewhere just to show up and, and fulfill an obligation to check something off of his calendar, been there, done that. When the apostle Paul went somewhere, he acted like, taught like, preached like it was the last time he was gonna get to preach and it was the last time they were gonna get to hear it. I'm talking about a man with a work ethic, a man that could say kept nothing back. Three things I noticed about him serving in these verses, in verse number 19, Paul served in spite of the tears. Look at what he says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. My goodness, what a statement. If you can't learn to serve the Lord, if you can't learn to minister to people through your tears, you won't do much for God. There's going to be many days you're in the ministry and it's going to have a lot of tears connected to it. Tears were a normal part of Paul's life. Tears are a normal part of any Christian's life, especially those that take God and the Bible seriously. You can't invest in people. You can't pour your heart and soul into people. You can't pray for people. You can't do everything you can to try to help encourage people, shield young people from the world, rebuild marriages, get lost people saved. You can't do all of that without shedding a tear every now and then. Tender heart, mine eye affecteth my heart. The Bible says, I believe it is over the book of Lamentations. And whenever you're out in the middle of a field and you're working and you're serving and you're investing in people and pouring into people and you're ministering, many times things will happen that break your heart, cause you to cry. He served in spite of the tears. Just in this chapter alone, he referred to his tears and weeping three times. Verse 19, he says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. In verse number 31, therefore watch, remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn every one night and day with tears. And then in verse number 37, they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck. Just in this one chapter alone, Paul mentioned or referred to weeping and crying three times, tears. It's a part of the ministry. By the way, tears keeps us tender. Don't ever stop the tears when they begin to flow. I've been, in my time, I've been in my life, I've been in places where I couldn't cry. I've been in places where my tear ducts just dried up. I don't like that feeling. I like it when the, when the tears just right below the surface. Come on now, come on now, y'all. Somebody testifies, if it brings tears to your eyes, that's good. If they're singing, precious Jesus, how great that art, brings a tear to your eye, wonderful. Hey, let it flow, don't stop it up. Right. You're in that altar, tears flow. But sometimes when you're dealing with people, trying to help people, you'll get a text message, you'll get a phone call, you'll see a Facebook post, it'll just make you cry. You'll go, oh Lord, have mercy. You gotta keep serving, you gotta keep going. Paul referenced laboring and serving with tears in several of his writings. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 4, he says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. What a statement. Paul writing. As Paul was writing, tears dropping off of his face onto the paper. In Philippians chapter number 3, and verse number 18, he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. While he was writing, while Paul was ministering, while he was serving, while he was trying to be a blessing to church, his tears running down his face. Paul served in spite of the tears. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. 
He said in Jeremiah chapter nine, verse number one, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Sometimes God wants to pull on your heart, squeeze your heart. He wants you to go forth weeping, bearing precious seed. Come on now. I may have told this before. I may have given this illustration before. But when we were missionaries in South Africa, we were telling this last week, talking to somebody about when we were in South Africa, and sometimes we would get frustrated, just get aggravated with people, just aggravated with just, I don't know, just kind of get caught up in all the hustle and bustle of ministry and just kind of need to hit a hard reset spiritually and mentally. We'd load our family up and we'd go out. There's a place on the outskirts of Bloemfontein called Mungon. And there was a cemetery out there. And there was a man that operated a backhoe every day, all day long. All he did was dug graves. Just dig graves, one after the other. He'd dig about 15 or 20 over here, and then he'd go dig about 15 or 20 over there, and he'd go dig about 15 or 20 over there. Cemetery was just acres and acres and acres of graves, and he'd just dig, just dig graves all day long. And they'd have all the funerals on Saturday and Sunday. And by Monday, every one of those empty graves would be full, Brother Sasser. Just funeral processions just lined up for miles as they were coming in there and going out and people burying all over the place. And boy, if you ever got to where you felt like you was losing your burden, you got frustrated with those people, you could go over there and get out of your car, walk around and around those tombs, I mean those graves, and look at all those fresh graves. Boy, it'd bring tears to your eyes. And boy, you just all of a sudden you get a reality check. Why I'm here. Paul said, I wept. Serve the Lord with weeping. We see you served in spite of the tears. Many things will happen in the ministry that bring tears. We can't keep nothing back. We can't keep holding back. We can't, we can't hold back to keep from crying about things. We can't, get too, uh, we, we can't keep ourselves from getting emotionally involved, afraid we're going to get hurt. Does everybody listen to me? There's a lot of people try to serve and minister at, at, at arm's length and try to keep people out here. You can't serve like that. You got to make yourself vulnerable. I mentioned that this morning. Cannot let a broken heart stop. You can't let tears blur your vision. We cannot let the long nights of weeping weaken our service for God. He served the Lord in spite of the tears. His ministry, secondly, was in spite of the temptations. He said in verse number 20, serving the Lord with many tears and temptations. Serving God and being in the ministry will not alleviate the temptations coming at you. And a lot of people think, well, if I could just get involved in ministry, if I could leave my job, and if preacher, Pastor Schiffer could just bring me on staff at Calvary, I believe I could get, get rid of all these temptations. You're out of your mind. In fact, the more you do for God, and the more closer you get to the heat of the battle, the more of a bullseye the devil paints on you. You're a bigger target. The closer you get to the enemy, the bigger of a target you become. And Paul was in the thick of it. He was in the heat of the battle and everywhere he went. Don't think for one second the devil, the devil wasn't trying to trip him up. He served the Lord with much tears and temptations. And then thirdly, he served and ministered in spite of the troublemakers. Look at what he said in verse 19. Tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. There was a group of Jews that traveled all over the place. We ought to, we ought to write a book, Brother Sasser, on the on the missions trips that those Jews went on. 
They followed him all over the place. I mean, hounded him and harassed him everywhere he went. They went right behind him, stirring up trouble, causing him, I mean, he had to be let down outside of the wall one time in a basket to get away from them one time. And everywhere he went, they were waiting for him. By the way, these are not random issues. These are not just harmless, innocent misunderstanding. These people, the Bible says, they lay in wait. It was premeditated. It was planned. It was demonic. It was meant to interrupt and hinder what God was doing and it was meant to bring the ministry to a grinding halt. The devil would love to bring the ministry to a grinding halt. Brother Chad Bailey made an awesome statement. We're driving to Georgia Thursday. He said, bright lights attract big bugs. Ain't that the truth? The more you try to do for God, the crazier and bigger the opposition will be. Wasted a whole week last week. A bunch of us did. A whole week. This kind of stuff right here. You know what he said? I had to keep serving the Lord. Despite the troublemakers. People laying in wait, booby traps, and, 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 and getting blindsided. I had to keep serving. I didn't let them stop me. Well, I'm afraid if I get too involved in the ministry, I'm going to get hurt. Yep, that's going to happen. And I've seen people sitting on the pew for 20 years and didn't lift a finger to do nothing, get hurt too. <laughs> Come on now. In fact, most of the people I've talked to that are out of church, they, I got hurt in church. They wasn't even part of the battle. They were sitting in the bleachers. They ain't never been carried off a field in a day in their life. I wonder how many people quit going to football games because they get hurt playing football. I went to a fight one time and a hockey game broke out. That was the best part of the whole, the whole thing. When they went to fighting, but let, let, let little strife happen at church. Everybody tucks tails and runs. Ain't got no stomach for it. Hey, listen to me. There's always going to be trouble. There's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be a conflict. You cannot let that stop you from ministering. You can't hold back. You got to give it all you got in spite of the tears, in spite of the temptations, and in spite of the troublemakers. You just got to outlast them. <laughs> they get tired after a while. They'll go on back to the house. You just got to stay in the fight. Kept back nothing, he says, because uh, with my ministering. Number two, he says, I kept back nothing with my message. Boy, I love this part about Paul. You start in verse number 21 and go all the way down to about verse number 32 and he talks about his message. Talks about his teaching and his preaching. I broke it down into three categories. Let's look at them right quick. We see first of all the witnessing of the apostle Paul. Verse number 21, he says, I went house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me, verse number 24, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry, watch this, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. 
the witnessing of the Apostle Paul. Verse 21 says he testified to the Jews and to the Greeks. Verse 24 says that he was testifying the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25 says he'd gone preaching, had gone preaching the kingdom of God. And then he makes a statement in verse number 26, wherefore I take you to record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men. What a statement. What a powerful statement. To be able to say, after you walk out of a city, that if anybody in that city dies and goes to hell, it's not going to be on you. What a statement. He made a similar statement back in chapter 18 when he was preaching and teaching and reasoning in the synagogue in verse number 4 of chapter 18. He reasoned in the synagogue, persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. The Bible says when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go to the Gentiles. That's what he's talking about when he said in verse number 26, I'm pure from the blood of all men. I believe the apostle Paul was referring to that passage of scripture in Ezekiel chapter number 33 that talks about that watchman on the wall. I believe that with all of my heart. And if you're not familiar with this passage of Scripture, I want you to listen to me just a second. I want you to listen to what I'm fixing to give you from the Word of God about the seriousness of not witnessing and telling people about Jesus. This is a passage out of Ezekiel 33 that the Apostle Paul referred to at least twice in these two chapters right here. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse number one, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. That's what Paul said in chapter 18. Your blood be upon your own head. I just preached. I just told you that Jesus was the Messiah. I just told you Jesus was God and your response was blasphemy. So your blood's now gonna be on your own head. Watch this though. Verse number five of Ezekiel 33, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Verse six, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. The man that has been put on the tower to watch for the enemy to blow the trumpet and let them know that destruction was coming, that, 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 that uh, the enemy was coming and did not warn them. The Bible says if somebody dies, that person's blood will be on the hands of that watchman. Well, these are the same words that the apostle Paul was using. I believe that applies today. If you and I have an opportunity to win somebody to Christ, and we don't witness to them and we don't warn them and we don't tell them and they go to hell, their blood's on our hands. And I believe if we could ever get our head right around this right here, we probably wouldn't eat for soul winning. Paul said, I'm pure of the blood of all men. You know what he said? I didn't hold back. I didn't keep back anything. I witnessed everybody. I told everybody I saw. I can't think of another thing I could have done. I can't think of another thing I could have done. We got, we got 400,000 people lives within a seven mile radius of this church. 
400,000 people live within a seven mile radius of this church and most of them is probably going to hell. And they're going to go to hell if those of us that see the sword coming don't tell them. Right. He kept back nothing with the witnessing. Secondly, we see he kept back nothing with the word. When it came to preaching the word of God, he kept back nothing. Look at what it says in verse 27. My goodness, I've got this verse underlined and highlighted with a yellow marker in my Bible. For I have shunned, have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. My goodness, Paul didn't hold back when it came to the word of God. He didn't just preach the fun stuff. He didn't just preach the pretty stuff. He didn't just preach the warm and fuzzy messages. He preached the whole counsel of God. He kept back nothing when it came to preaching the word of God. And he admonished the Ephesian elders to feed the flock of God, verse 28. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. What was he talking about? He's talking about verse number 27. You make sure that you give those sheep, you feed those sheep with a biblical diet and a balanced diet and you make sure you don't leave anything out. Preach all of it, the whole counsel of God. You can go places today and there's subjects they won't touch. There's things they won't preach on. There's sin they won't name. They're afraid it's going to affect the bottom line. Paul said, I'm telling you, when I was here, I shunned not to preach unto you the whole counsel of God. Now I'm leaving and I'm not coming back and you need to make sure you feed the flock of God. You can't feed them Pop-Tarts and lollipops. You've got to put some meat on the table. You've got to put some vegetables on the table. Amen. Boy, somebody gave us some fresh vegetables. I love fresh produce. Homegrown tomatoes. My goodness, that's what I'm talking about. Everything's better with a fresh tomato. There's something about homegrown tomatoes, buddy. Fresh squash, cucumbers, zucchini. Boy, my wife, she cooked a feast, roast beef, mashed potatoes and gravy, had the squash, had broccoli, had, had tomatoes. She even peeled the tomatoes like my grandma used to. Now, you ain't got to do all that, but that's a nice little extra touch right there. Just peel that tomato. Come on now. I'm glad I didn't sit down at lunch today and she threw a Pop-Tart and some, and some Fruit Loops up there in front of me. Come on now. Now, if, if you're a baby, if you're a baby, if you're a baby in Christ, you'd love the Fruit Loops and the Pop-Tarts and the Debbie Cakes. Uh-uh. But you ain't going to grow on that. The only thing you're going to grow with that is cavities. Didn't hold back when it came to the Word. Thought about the Isaiah chapter 58, verse number 1. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and spare not. Spare not. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm up here preaching, I catch myself holding back. The looks on some of y'all's faces makes me just tap the brakes. I need to rip that brake pedal, slam out of that floorboard one of these nights and just go for it. Kept the, back nothing with my message. The witnessing, the word, thirdly, with the warnings. Boy, I love this about Paul. He didn't mind warning. Look at what he says in verse 29. For I know this, that after my depart, departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you 
not sparing the flock also of your own selves, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember, here we go, verse 31, that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He didn't keep anything back when it came to warning the people about the wolves. Firm believer in warning. An ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. I think that's the saying. Better to warn. Better to warn a little bit too much than be attending somebody's funeral courtesy of the wolves. And he said, for three years, I warned you with tears about the wolves. We're past the witnessing. Those, those three years with tears wasn't soul winning. That was three years of tears of warning about the wolves. Read the context. He says, I know just as soon as I leave. They're not going to stick their head up as long as I'm here. You won't know why. Because if a wolf stuck his head up with Paul, there, he'd blow their head off. He says, but as soon as I leave, I know what's going to happen. The wolves are going to come in here. And they're not going to spare the flock. Boy, God just showed me that. The wolves ain't going to spare. The man of God sure can't spare. Come on now. The wolves ain't going to hold back. Well, that'll preach right there. I might just need to preach another message inside of a message. Can I just put a parenthesis right here and preach for just a second? When it comes to the wolves, they're not going to hold back. The wolves will not spare the flock. They're not going to be selective. They're not going to be tiptoeing through the tulips. They're going to come in like a bull in a china shop. The wolves don't spare. The preacher can't spare either. Can't hold back. Boy, Paul's writings was filled. Parentheses, I better close that one out. His burden for unity of the church was so clear in these verses. When it came to warning the church about wolves, he kept nothing back. Here's what he said in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, 14. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and after Christ. And there are many others where the Bible's filled with warnings, 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 warnings. Part of the man of God's job is to not hold back when it comes to warnings. Well, I, just don't want to, I don't want to scare anybody off. You're trying to save their life. You're trying to salvage them. Go for it. Don't hold back. The bridge is out and cars are coming. Get out in front of them, flag them down and warn them. Like a lot of my ministries, warning people, reminding people that the devil's not playing. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's not, he's not playing. He's not holding back. He knows his time is up. And right now, it's a full court press on the church of the living God. He's going after our young people just as hard as he can. He's going after our marriages just as hard as he can. And I see, I see the devil scoring victories in people's lives in this church with this kind of preaching. And these kind of men, these kind of men helping me 
pastor and, and, and reach the needs of the people. I can't imagine what's happening in churches where the preacher ain't preaching. I'm seeing young people go to the dogs out of this church. I'm seeing people get divorced in this church. Come on now. What's happening in the churches where the pastor's not praying and he's not preaching and he don't have the touch of God on him and he's not preaching the whole counsel of God? What in God's name is happening in those places? We can't back up. We can't back up. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. If you didn't preach the way you preached, you could fill your church up. I said, I could fill it up tomorrow if I passed out free beer. What's your point? What is your point? I'm seeing advertisements on the internet, churches having movie night. They're not putting out, they're not, they're not sponsoring and boosting posts about their church, about the preaching or the children's ministries or the singing or putting the gospel message. They're trying to get people to come to a Friday night movie night. You won't find that in the Bible. You won't find that in there. All right, here we go. Number three. Y'all ready? Y'all don't look ready. You got to look ready before I get to this one. He kept back nothing when it came to his money. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Look at what it says in verse number 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. What about that? Last time he's going to see them. Last Opportunity to give them some, mm. and guess what he talked about right before he prayed? Money. <laughs> I'm fixing to. Paul was constantly teaching and preaching about the stewardship of money, and he hated it when people accused him of being in the ministry for money. I laugh whenever somebody says, you just did it for the money. I just laugh. It's like, whatever. I was making $100,000 a year in the 90s. I said in the 90s. I'm not in it for the money. Lord knows I ain't in it for the money. Paul wasn't either. Now stay with me. Some of y'all are just, you're just, you're widening up already. Just, just. Take a deep breath. You're talking about I didn't keep back, I didn't hold back. He defended himself and set the record straight. Now, here's what's interesting to me. These Ephesian elders had known him for three years. He was at Ephesus, I think, about as long as he was anywhere. He might have been in Corinth that long, maybe a little bit longer. But in most places he went, he was just in and out. I mean, a few months he was there, churches popping up. But for some reason or another, in verse number 33, he had to set the record straight. I have coveted no man silver or gold or apparel. You know what makes me sick? The preachers in the ministry that are in it for the money. Come on, come on now. Come on, Pastor. 
And I hate to say it, but I believe there's probably more in for the money than, than, than's not. Here's what Jesus said about that crowd. They're hirelings. What he said, hirelings. It's just a job. It's a career. Heard a guy one time say, I knew God called me to preach. I woke up one Monday morning and didn't want to go to work and I was craving chicken. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Relax. Woke up on a Monday morning and didn't want to go to work craving chicken. God must want me to go into the ministry. I don't know how these preachers golf as much as they golf. I know preachers that golf more than they preach. In it for the money, perks, benefits. Our family, when we were in South Africa and God moved us back to Greenville, I knew it was God's will. I never would have dreamed God moved us from Africa back to the States. Nobody was shocked more than my wife and I. There was way too many sovereign confirmations. We knew it was God's will, but we were mind boggled, wasn't we, darling, that God moved us from Africa to Greenville, South Carolina to this day. I wonder what in the world. I never one time asked them what the salary was going to be. They voted us in. We moved from Africa to South Carolina, and I had no clue what my salary was going to be. Didn't have a house. We had nothing. We sold everything we had there, put two little little crates together and shipped them, and moved back to Greenville, South Carolina. I didn't even have a hammer to hang a picture with. I never asked. Maybe I should have. I ended up, I was getting about half of what I was making as a missionary. I didn't even realize it. Y'all gonna think I'm crazy. Y'all fix to think I'm out of my mind. I didn't even realize it until about three weeks ago when I was cleaning my files out. And I was looking at my tax returns. I looked at my salary and I went, are you serious? No wonder we couldn't afford groceries. No wonder we'd get about a half a gallon of milk, grace would fill it up with water and shake it up so it'd last longer. Apostle Paul said, I've covered no man's silver or gold. You know why he said that? He said, because when it came to my money, I kept back nothing. Listen to this. I got so many verses, I don't have time to read them all. Look at what he says in verse 34. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands, these hands, I believe he did that when he was talking to them. These hands right here have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. He was a tent maker. The Bible tells us that in Acts 18 that he was of the same craft as Aquila and Priscilla and he abode with them. And the Bible says in verse 3 of Acts 18, he abode with them and wrought. means he worked for by their occupation they were tent makers. Paul the apostle, the greatest preacher that ever lived, sat on the ground and made tents to pay his bills and to help pay the bills of the people that were with him. And for some reason, every time he went into a church or to a city, he felt he had the need to explain that to people. I'm not here for your money. I'm not here for your gold and your silver and your apparel. I'm working, I'm working side jobs just to pay my own way. I just want you to know I don't have some kind of ulterior motive for what I'm doing. But then he turned around and said this. So I have showed you all things 
I showed you all things. You saw me. You saw me. I've showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. What a way to close out a last time meeting with the elders of the church at Ephesus. He closed it out with a reminder about the importance of giving. This is the same one, by the way, that said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. <laughs> I will very gladly spend and be spent. I won't just take money out of my wallet. I will expend myself. Brother Bob Ford, with Bearing Precious Seed, traveled around, raises money for Bibles. He's got an oak offering plate about this big around. He'll take it into churches, trying to raise money for Bibles. He's raised millions of dollars for Bibles. Bearing Precious Seed. There ain't no telling how many millions of dollars that man's raised for Bibles. But you know how he gets it? He puts that offering plate down in the front and he says, I wonder who tonight will come get in this offering plate and say, God, I give you me. And they'll be lined up around the church to step over in that offering plate, close their eyes and say, Lord, take me and use me. See, if God never can get you, he got your money. He never gets you, he's got your money. And Paul said, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. I think it was a man that knew what it meant to not keep anything back and hold anything back when it came to his money. I don't believe when they chopped Paul the Apostle's head off in Rome, I don't believe he had a big old fat bank account that he left to his mother-in-law. Uh-uh. Come on now, some of y'all say, I believe Jesus is coming back. You ain't acting like it when you're giving. You're acting like he ain't never coming back and you're going to live to be 500 years old. Come on now. Do you really believe he's coming back? They believed he was coming back in the book of Acts. They were selling everything they had and bringing the money to the church. They were selling their property. They were selling their houses. They were selling their lands and they were bringing the money and laying it at the apostles' feet. Now, I hadn't asked anybody to do that. But I believe tithing's in order. Amen. I believe supporting missions is in order. Amen. Come on now. How many of you holding back? Saving that money for a rainy day like God can't meet your needs when it's raining. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I think back to the times in my life when God's had me write checks that just about, just about, just about we're going to bounce. I'm talking about everything. Give it all. Now, he didn't ask me to do that every week. He ain't going to ask you to do that every week. But he might ask you to do it once. Just to see. <laughs> hey, God didn't hold back, did he? He gave his only begotten son. Jesus didn't hold back, did he? Is everybody still with me? I'm just preaching what Paul preached to the church at Ephesus. I mean, right before he dismissed, you know what he preached about? It's more blessed to give than to receive. 
I heard an old preacher say it like this, Brother Snipes, you're going to like this. Now don't run, you might have a heart attack. Just stay right there. Do you believe that verse is true? Do you believe it's more blessed to give than to receive? You believe the one giving gets a bigger blessing than the one receiving? Do you believe that? So let me ask you a question then. Who got the biggest blessing in John 3.16, us or God? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who got the bigger blessing? That's pretty deep, ain't it, Brother Nicholas? That's pretty deep, ain't it? Who got the bigger blessing when he gave his son? We talk about how awesome it was that he gave his son for us, but the Bible said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I believe God was in heaven and got the, got the best end of that deal right there. You want to know why? Oh, Lord, have mercy. He gave up one son to gain many sons. Because that's how giving works. That's how giving works. You give one, you reap more than you sow. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you reap, if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Here's what he said in Malachi: prove me. Prove me now. Put me to the test. You don't believe me? Put me to the test. Prove me now. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, there is not room enough to receive it. Try me. He said, you've robbed me and you've robbed the people of God in your tithes and in your offerings. Prove me now. He said, that's Old Testament. I know. Same Old Testament says, thou shalt not kill. The New Testament says, if you hate somebody, you've already murdered them in your heart. New Testament's a whole lot stronger than the Old Testament. Old Testament says thou shalt not commit adultery. New Testament says if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And if they could, under the law, give 10%, how much more should God's people, when it comes to their money, not keep back and not hold back and trust God? With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I wonder... If there would be somebody slip out of their seat and get in the altars, we stand our feet all over the building. We're standing, we're standing, we're standing. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, musicians are playing, folks are coming to the altar. I wonder tonight, can you say with the Apostle Paul, I have kept back nothing? 